It's Tennessee Titans talk. This is going to sound like a joke, but eventually the Kansas City Chiefs are probably going to have to change their name. And I really, really, really hope the world is in a place on that day where they just are the chefs. Am I totally, totally out of bounds there that that, that's the no-brainer when eventually they're going to have to change their name? Andy Reid has already petitioned for it. (laughs) Head chef, Andy Reid. Head head chef, that's why he signed in the beginning. The running joke is you last week said (laughs) you went to Kansas City for the barbecue because Arrowhead Stadium smells like barbecue and that's why Andy Reid picked it. Well, Andy Reid, I mean, as a guy who grew up in the Philadelphia area, I mean, Andy Reid is, he's up there for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, we've said this a lot, in 2017, when we were at the draft from Philly, servicemen and women, Jim Brown, of course, their own team, the Eagles, and Andy Reid are the only people that did not get mercilessly booed all weekend. That's well, it. Add in, te- in, in Temple slash Villanova draft picks, too. Let's talk about uh, this Chiefs game. Well, how about this, Landon? First, let's talk about Thursday Night Football. Eagles-Texans. The Texans looked as bad as I've ever seen an NFL team. They're hanging. They're currently tied with the Eagles. Yeah, it's really weird because last week we had absolutely nothing going for us, and it was a cakewalk. And Philly has been Philly obviously is the only undefeated team the most well-rounded roster in the NFL top to bottom and they've let them hang around it's really just like they were playing with their food because we all know they're the worst rushing defense probably that I've ever seen Philly has the best (laughs) offensive line in the NFL they have one of the best rushing quarterbacks a great stable of running backs but the thing is they also that great offensive line is great at pass blocking and they have all these fun receivers so it's like they trick themselves into thinking well if we just run the ball every time that'd be really laying with all the weapons we have we should throw it some. And that led to Houston running cornerback blitz and forced Jalen Hurts fumble. That's really been the difference in keeping this game kind of close, that turnover differential. But the difference was when we played, we literally couldn't pass the ball. So we were forced just to run the ball over and over against their weakness. And Philly, it looks like it's starting to warm up to that. They just had a two-minute drill drive. They couldn't really run, obviously, because of time. But the drive before that, they marched right down the field. They were running a lot more. It was just they underestimated. They're like, hey, we'll goof around. We'll have some fun. We'll get an easy win. It's a short week, so I'm sure they weren't looking ahead to this game. Four days of rest against the Texans, they probably don't even need a day. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's the the not-for-long league. I mean, you start messing around like this, you could have your 7-0 record jeopardized. You could lose to the Texans. I mean, for real, it's... These guys are pro football, pro athletes. I mean, even though they looked horrible last week, the Texans did, you know, they get paid to play the game too. I think that's one of the draws of this league. This league has become ridiculously popular in this country for many reasons. Whatever can happen, it does happen. And, you know, one team in 50 years has been undefeated. One team, I believe, in the 50 years has has not had a winning season. Anybody can generally beat anybody. And I think that randomness and that parity makes it super duper fun. Like the other leagues have super duper stars and we the nfl's had few like superstars everywhere is a helmet the rivalries are the big deal and i think that anything can happen with that ball within any 60 minute game yeah parody and relatively low variance in just scoring plays and impactful plays is what makes the nfl so exciting because the issue with college football is just the teams are so it's just unfair honestly which is in the nature of the sport and that's what makes it fun because it is very much in college football almost always a david versus goliath if it's not two evenly matched teams it's an underdog giving everything they have to beat 
a favorite, like Texas A&M last year against Alabama. That isn't happening in the NFL because everyone's a lot closer. The game is cleaner. And then in other sports like basketball, especially with three-point shooting getting so insane, just the variance of one team is hot from three, their team is cold. Like, even in the NBA, the best team versus the worst team. If one team is hitting all their shots, the other team can't. It's a blowout. It's boring. And teams don't care in the regular season because so many teams make the playoffs. It's so easy to know which team is a contender for the playoffs, which team isn't. In the NFL, there's only 16. Every game matters. And conceivably, a few plays swing your way. You can have something like tonight where the worst team in the NFL is going blow for blow with our with the top three team. Big fellow, that's a great segue because we've been on about five minutes and we, we haven't talked about our matchup and we always immediately talk about our matchup. We don't really want to talk about this game because we're all afraid of it. I think our whole fan base generally is afraid of it. But as Landon just said, anything can happen. And I'm praying that that applies to Sunday night. Oh, for sure. I mean, if anything, I'm more encouraged by this game for us. They looked like a doormat last week. And if they can, you know, stand up to the undefeated Eagles and, you know, they're doing it everywhere right now. I mean, they're having they're getting no names involved in the passing game. The Eagles are shanking field goals, currently tied at 14 at halftime after Jake Elliott missed what looked like an 89 yard field goal. I mean, anybody can do it. And we saw the the goofy Colts beat this Chiefs team. And, you know, thankfully we have a five and two record against Andy Reid. So anything could happen. We've always talked about how we get up for primetime games. And as crazy as it is, and as few receivers as we have and offensive weapons we have, put us in a fourth quarter fight. I'm still taking us no matter what. Yeah, the deck is definitely stacked against us. And we'll get into just how rough this matchup is looking on paper. But we show up our brand of football for better or for worse. We generally drag our opponents either up to our level or down to our level because we are a great passing team. We're tough, physical, good defense, great run game. That leads us into being competitive in most games, but we can't really blow teams out. And Kansas City, very, very scary, could easily be a game where our defense, all the progress we made, gets wiped away. But it's also a game where everyone listening to this, all Titans fans are thinking about our other primetime game against one of the other top three teams in the NFL, the Bills. It was on the road, it was at night, and we just got demolished. But we've looked a lot better since then. The defense has looked a lot better. We've gotten some guys back from injury. The offensive line can't play worse. Derrick Henry is finding his groove. We always know he gets better down the stretch versus earlier. And the thing is, that Buffalo game, there's still just a question of the Giants game might have been a fluke. We missed a very makeable field goal. We might be 1-0. But this game, no one believes in us. No, no, no. Oh, we need motivation. No, literally no one believes in us. Not even the three of us. Because... Speaking... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bite your tongue, young Speaking man. of who doesn't believe in us, uh, Biggie, what do you think of the line of this game? Last I checked, it was 12 and a half. Yeah, it still That's, is. I see currently 11 and a half. Regardless, it's still probably one of the biggest lines we'll see. I... Although I think tonight was 14, right? For the tonight, yeah, tonight was 14, and that was with well, it's also they Philly was going on the road, but that was also the only undefeated team going against the worst team. I think the line being 12 and a half is more just Vegas doesn't believe in us scoring enough points to keep up. I mean, Kansas City might not have their greatest offensive game, but especially if Tannehill is out or he's gimpy on that ankle and with no receivers, I mean, can we really keep up? I mean, a two touchdown spread is laughable, or not laughable, but it's outrageous especially with when we have a winning record and we've been so good against the Chiefs. But at the same time, I can't really blame them. I mean, it's very, very possible that they win by 13 or 14 and it's like 27-14. Because, I mean, 
Derrick Henry is going to have to have a Derrick Henry game, and the Chiefs' defense is not great. They're still going to be missing Frank Clark because he's on the back end of a two-game suspension. Yep. Derrick Henry historically owns the Chiefs, no matter what. I really do think when it's this bad and what people think of you, like a 12.5 point spread, everyone writing you off, in a way, it does take the pressure off your shoulders because, like I was talking about in that college football game, when you're Texas A&M and having to play Alabama and you're not having a great Texas A&M season, no one's going, oh man, and we gotta we gotta do this and that it's just you're just playing because everything is against you you know just how hard it's gonna be and just there's no pressure of having to live up to your expectations or perform to the expectations like the Chiefs could easily just kill us on offense but at the same time they're the favorite I do think in sports at any level when one team is such a large favorite and everyone expects them to easily walk through a game and then the other team hangs around just the longer it goes I do think that stress and that pressure starts adding up because when you're supposed supposed to win and you're having a hard time doing it that gets to you landon he goes through the kind of likely scenario i think vegas has and maybe of what is probably based on their talent and ours what's likely to happen for, for them to win what's the path of victory how would it look what would the narrative be for the titans that go up there and win on sunday night i'll tell you what you know, we're going to play good defense and we can't get beat with the big plays because we can't let Tony go. We can't let Kadarius Tony show up as a, a new face and kind of rip off some big plays. We can't let Travis Kelsey beat us because we've seen that before. We found ways to neutralize him. But yeah, he could have a big day and that could be big trouble for us. But I don't think that Vrabel is going to let that happen. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's somebody to look at. I'm not worried about their running backs except, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer Isaiah Pacheco, which I know you've got him on your fantasy radar (laughs) yeah no i think we have to play good defense and kind of like last week it's going to be the same thing same game plan run henry the only difference is going to be if Tannehill plays which i think he probably will um i think willis might also play the only difference is going to be if Tannehill has to drop back and throw a competent pass he'll probably do that a little bit better than malik willis so run run with henry grind out the clock keep Kansas City's strength, which is their offense, off the field. And then, you know, we win a gritty game. You talk about our defense. After last week, we're number one in rushing defense DVOA by a pretty decent margin. So Kansas City, they're not going to get much of anything on the ground. But the issue is... They're by far the best passing offense. We're kind of so-so against the pass, and that's with our past five wins all being against teams that aren't good passing offenses. So I'm worried about that. But at the very least, even though the Chiefs throw as much as anyone in the league, they will very much be one-dimensional, for better or for worse. For better, because that way we don't have to worry about going against the run, and we can just commit to the pass and pass rush. For the worse, because that's the best strength in the NFL going against our biggest weakness on defense. Yeah, well, thankfully, as we'll probably get into a little bit we've got the return of elijah molden and hopefully he'll make he'll crack the game day roster and he'll be good to go but all indications are that he will and that is going to be something that is a welcomed sight with him getting back in the game that'll be huge having him on juju yeah because we've seen before we've usually relied on you know at at times dane crookshank back in the day jonathan cyprian to neutralize tight ends so we're going to need some of our bigger bodied safeties to kind of do that as well so it'll be a lot of buyer it'll a lot of be hooker if 
he plays. And I kind of think Adams will kind of shadow Kelsey a bit too. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that because Hooker hasn't practiced this week and might just be playing it safe because his injury didn't look that bad. And I wonder like if since we were playing the Texans who are so bad and all that, we just is a more precautionary thing. Regardless, Adams has played well. Even if Hooker is healthy and Molden is healthy, they need to find ways to get him on the field, especially with Kansas City being so pass happy. Just having def- another defensive back out there that we can trust at some level is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, Hooker, you know, we gave him the extension. Out of all the people to give extensions, I mean, I guess I'm glad he got extended, but we could have figured out something else differently. But he, like you said, it's a shoulder. It's not a huge injury. He came, he, he made it through concussion protocol give him a cortisone shot you know get out there we're yeah, paying you money yeah, to, it, to play football yeah in a game like this against the Chiefs now the Chiefs they're not like a pretty boy passing offense but it's not like we're not playing the Ravens or the Eagles we're not asking Hooker to get dirty in the trenches and have to fight against a great rushing team yeah so at the very least he's gonna be a little stiff and coverage a little awkward try and get a hand up to defend the pass but it, if there's an injury for a defensive back to have shoulder is one of the better ones Yep. pretty boy passers is gonna be my fantasy team definitely next year speaking of them and their offense they had an addition and big fella you can tell me a little bit about the trade deadline which usually you know the (sighs) nfl doesn't have a big trade deadline that's for baseball and for basketball and that's one thing that's kind of been missing but you know, we had some action on Tuesday. Some action. We had a lot of action. We, I think a record was set with a total of 10 trades on, um, I don't know if it was officially on at the deadline or if it was leading up to, but yeah, we had trades galore. We had Bradley Chubb, probably the biggest name being sent somewhere. He went from Denver to Miami and then Miami shelled out a kajillion dollars to him today so good for him but man Miami what are you doing let's yeah, hope it, you're right yeah that, that move is baffling to me because he's had a good year this year but you just look at his career years two and three wrecked by injury he had a good rookie season but that was also playing next to Von Miller and then he's been good this year but like you said they had to trade a first round pick for him which gives him a ton of leverage they immediately had to extend him and he's a good solid player but you don't trade a first rounder and pay 24 million for a good solid player and let me interrupt you real quick. Philly just got sacked on back-to-back plays, and this one, Jerry Hughes, came screaming off the edge. Or, or Sorry, it wasn't back-to-back. It was just this, this play I was watching. Came screaming off the edge against Jordan Mailata, who is supposed to be one of the better tackles in the league. And we were talking about Jerry Hughes during at the trade deadline that he, you know, he's an older player. I think, Nathan, you said he was, what, 36? I think he's I think 34. So. 34? Well, still, I mean, dude could get after it. I'm surprised he didn't move. Yeah, you know, the Texans he's pro- stayed put with everything. I wonder if they were asking too much like like with Cooks, or oh, they sure, just wanted to sure. keep it together. But yeah, that's that's the thing. Like if Hughes was on the block, yes, Chubb is definitely better. He's also a lot younger and has more upside. But the opportunity cost of having to pay Chubb all that money and giving up a first versus like you could trade probably a fifth for Jerry Hughes because he's on a one-year deal and it's not like he's a building block for the future. He just got another one, a second one. Oh yeah, a second I, one yeah, in three I, plays. I just pulled up. I think the guy's played really well this season. He has. Yeah. He looks electric. I mean, and both against uh, Jordan Mailata. And he, the dude is a brick wall, except Jerry Hughes knows how to get around him. I mean, he's, oh, you could, man, yeah. it's so just Miami, quickness. Yeah. So Miami has gone all in on this current roster because they lost their own first round pick this year because of the tampering. And they traded the pick for Chubb. And last year they traded their pick for Hill, all their picks for Hill. And the year before they used their pick on Waddle. So they went from having like three extra first rounders to having none. And in return, they got Waddle, Hill, Chubb, and a, sl- and a slap on the wrist for 
for trying to get Sean Payne and Tom Brady to come. But I mean, it's just kind of weird because I mean, like, yes, Tua has looked really good this year, and that Hill Waddle combination is going to be deadly for a long time. But at the same time, why do you go all in now? I mean, I get this year it's pretty parody wise, but at the same time, like, if you're going all in, is Brad? Is trading a first for Bradley Chubb than paying him really like the move you want to do? Because now you've spent a ton of cap space. You've lost your high leverage draft pick for a guy that, yes, he's good, but he's not great. If I'm trading a first round pick and paying him $24 million, I want him to be great. I would agree with him, big fella. And it, it's weird to me. There was value that Miami got for the, but to trade all those picks, it's I think it's because it's just almost unprecedented info. It is. But right now, if you can tell me that for the next two years, our first round draft pick would be Waddle and Tyreek Hill. We're taking that every day, every day. So I think it worked out for the Dolphins. I don't, you know, jury's out on Chubb. Maybe he looks like, you know, the next Lawrence Taylor, you know, now that he's in a new environment. But I mean... If they believe in Tua, we always said like, you know, Tua is going to have no excuses this year and he's not needing any because he's he's getting it done. I mean, we may he may not be the best quarterback ever, but he's surely proving that, you know, he can make it work. Landon, were you probably not surprised, but did you see some opportunities for the Titans that like compensation that was given? Why didn't we do that? Or is there anything that stood out like we obviously didn't make a move? I wasn't surprised just because we're essentially broke. I mean, we have like 1.5 million in cap space. We could have done a move where the team we're trading with takes on most of the money for the rest of the year. But at the same time, like at the receiver, the only guy that got moved was Claypool for a second, which is a really gross overpay and we can't <laughs> afford that. And then other than that, it was a bunch of edge rushers, which would be helpful, but isn't a good use of resources considering that the guys that were traded were traded for meaningful assets. And we're going to have Weaver, Dupree, and then Landry next season. There is no offensive lineman because everyone is hoarding any good player they can find on that end. So of the guys that were available, they just cost too much money or they were, they cost too much draft capital that we couldn't afford. And I'm fine with that because there wasn't anyone out there that I thought we trade for them. Either they're on a long-term contract now or they can, they can be paid reasonably well and they can be a future building block. Because obviously I hope we win the Super Bowl. I hope we're as competitive as possible. This is not a contender. It's a dark horse to get a sneaky upset in one or two playoff games, but it's not a, Concerned. This isn't. This current team is not a team where you push all your chips into the middle, especially when not counting this draft class I just haven't, but the 2020 2021 draft classes have left our team so barren, and it's a big reason why our depth is so bad. We just can't afford to really make any of these draft pick trades because we essentially lost two years of draft picks for nothing. Big fella, yeah. I would agree to an extent. I'm glad we didn't trade our first round picks or anything, but I would like for us to be players to a degree because maybe we're not a Super Bowl team, but I, I think I think something shrewd and something small and some role players could have helped down the stretch. How did you feel about our lack of activity in the trade deadline? I really wanted us to get something done. I'm not exactly sure what I wanted. I heard a lot of noise that we were very active in the Bradley Chubb sweepstakes. And like you guys are saying, it would have taken way too much to to get him. I would have liked to pull off a trade like the Eagles did for Robert Quinn. And they got Chicago to pay pretty much all of his salary for 2022. I think they're ending up paying him like $700,000, which, you know, yeah, we could have afforded the Quinn money. 
But yeah. it also came out that they made verbal agreement that after this year, he'll be a free agent. I do wonder if we were given up that much for if we were given up that for Quinn, if we would have wanted to keep him long term. Probably. But I mean, you know, you understand it's a rental. You understand you're getting back Harold Landry next year. You have that understanding and it's a limited cap move. I kind of would have liked us to be somewhere in that. I really would have liked us to find a way to get an offensive lineman, a tackle uh, anywhere because there were some that were available in, in you know, up for discussion up for trade talks. I don't know who eventually would have come free. There were no offensive linemen moved, I don't think at all. Um, and those typically aren't the guys that we see move. That would have been something I would have been interested in. But then the fact that we didn't do anything makes me think that, you know, maybe there's a very, very outside shot at somebody like OBJ or a very outside shot that we signed somebody like Eric Fisher. But at this point, he hasn't signed. So like, what's the deal there? Yeah, I think the only other guy I think I kind of was interested in was William Jackson the third, But I know, Landon, you don't, you didn't really like that either. Oh, I would have liked him on paper because he's a good fit with our man defense, but he was on a big contract and Washington traded him in a salary dump. Like they traded a next year sixth for, or they traded a next year seventh and Jackson for a next year sixth because he was just making a lot of money. Like it was either that or they were just going to cut him. Yeah. Well, and I would have loved to get to where they could cut him and we could just sign him to a minimal deal. Guys, as far as the Chiefs, we'll start with you, Landon. What, who's a player or maybe a, a position group? Maybe the Titans don't really know a lot about. The Chiefs do a really good job. Obviously, they have superstar players. They do a really good job of developing draft picks and finding value in free agency. Who's somebody you think uh, Titans fans are going to know a little bit more about after Sunday night? I think Trent McDuffie might be able to do something. He's coming back from IR and he's pretty much missed all year, but he was their first first round pick. Everyone loved him coming out of the draft. Maybe not the highest ceiling, but a really smart, solid defensive back. Like a bigger, more athletic Elijah Mullen, which sounds really good. And so he's coming to this game. He's been a solid, he was a solid tackler coming out. Their secondary hasn't been good in tack and run defense, especially as cornerbacks. And we've seen just, we have so few weapons and that He's a slot guy, not a, a shadow man. But when Woods goes in slot into the slot, I'm interested in seeing how that matchup works out because Woods is the only thing we have going for us pass game wise outside of busted plays or Todd Downing randomly calling something that's actually smart for once. So I'm interested to see if we try and attack him a lot because his the other cornerbacks have been really good. They actually traded one of their veterans because all their young guys have been playing so much. But if he's looking good and if he's able to if he's able to guard Woods really well, then I would be worried. Their run, and then their front seven across the board is really solid, but no Frank Clark. And it's just been solid, not amazing. But unfortunately, our offensive line still sucks, even though Houston might have given us some false hope last week. So it's going to be rough. But if anyone can make up the difference and single-handedly even the odds, it's Derrick Henry. So it's no surprise that, uh, you know, I'm curious to see that we'll get an extended look at Juju Smith-Schuster. I liked him in 2017. I wish we drafted him in the first round instead of Corey Davis. I'm on record for having said that just want to throw that out there but um i mean you know titans fans the league we all know who he is he's twitter twitter boy um you know instagram touchdown guy um so we kind of all know who he is one guy that i really want to get a good look at and watch deeper is creed humphrey the center from oklahoma his second year in the league um he was a guy that i thought we would have really done well to draft him as a ben jones replacement um a guy that kind of fits that mold tough gritty dude 
probably about the same height, same same build as Ben Jones. And he's just, uh, so far from what I can tell, he's been pretty solid for them. He started every game last year, started six games this year. When you're getting the ball to Patrick Mahomes, clearly that's a premium position for their, for their team. So, you know, they put a lot of research and draft capital into him. Um, I believe, Land, correct me, was he a first-round pick? No, he was a late second. And late second. so many so many teams <clears throat> passed on. Pittsburgh took Farmuth, Green Bay took another center, and we took Raidens. Oh. And coming out, it was just, he was the obvious, yeah, he's the best center prospect. He's going to be really good. It's just, centers aren't that valuable. And I guess we just got tricked with Ben Jones is going to be here a couple more years, so he wouldn't play. But Creed Humphrey, he's been a top three center the past few years since he got drafted. I'm really interested in seeing their entire interior offensive line, because that's the strength. Their tackles aren't good at all, so I am interested in seeing if Dupree and Weaver and Achi, when he kicks out there, can make something happen. But the interior has been awesome, especially Thune. But we have seen Simmons. This year, he started to ascend to the point where it doesn't matter how good your best interior offensive lineman is, he's still better. And especially if we line him up on the right side, because Andrew Wiley at right tackle is the weak link. Trey Smith is the second weak link. So you can't really scheme help over there if you have Simmons on that right side. And we saw last year when we shut out the Chiefs touchdown-wise, Trey Smith was the guy that we were abusing. So I'm interested in saying... Has he improved or is it just he's kind of been masked how ba- how bad he could I, I think be. Trace Smith ha- has improved. I, I don't think he's a Pro Bowl player, but I, I, I think he's a better player than Kenyon Green, who we saw last week, and obviously we saw Simmons abuse. <laughs> oh, yeah. My question is, Simmons' peaks this year are game-changing by themselves. The Giants game... Mm. I want to say one of the Colts games and then this past week. But his low, his floor games are still solid, but this is a game where we need that peak. And that's always been the thing holding him back from that Aaron Donald tier discussion, where Aaron Donald, week in, week out, is wrecking your game plan. Simmons, when he's on, he's wrecking your game plan. I would say maybe even better than Donald just because he's so, because he's so much bigger. But it's just those inconsistencies are there. But I think this is a game where he should show up. It's prime time. It's against the best offense in the NFL. No one believes in him. This is a game like we saw against the Rams on Sunday Night Football last week. This is a game the defense has to take over. This is a game to put your name in the national spotlight because we've all read that article about just the questions surrounding his long-term future, I hate to say, (laughs) or the, the contract details and he's talking about so many quotes about if he played in New York or LA or anywhere but Tennessee, I believe the quote co- the quote was if he played in Dallas, you wouldn't be hearing about Aaron Donald. And I wouldn't go that far, but it would be I think he would be yeah. known as the second best defensive yeah. tackle it would, in football. Yeah, it would be like that tier one thing of it's Donald, it's a bit of a drop off, it's Simmons, it's a bigger drop off, it's everyone else. And this is the game where you put your name out there. Casual fans don't know who Jeffrey Simmons is. He goes out there, he has two sacks, he's killing Patrick Mahomes all game. That's how you let them no. I would agree. I think this is a big stage for him, and he's an ascending player. We all think that. Landon, let's talk about injuries. And Big Fella, I want to hear what you think about how it's going to affect this game. Uh, what Quickly, what's uh, what's the outlook for both teams? Well, as if enough things aren't going against us, the Chiefs' injury report is honestly a joke. The only guy that's out is Jody Forston, who's like their third tight end. Everyone else that's popped up has been full participant today. Only one of them, Willie Gay, was limited. The only guy they're missing is Flank Clark, because he got suspended, because he he was an idiot 
driving around with some guns. So the Chiefs are coming off a bye week. They're at home. They've got every advantage going for them. Oh, and they're super healthy. I believe they've actually been the healthiest team in the NFL so far this year. And then we get to us. Simmons has a practice this week, but he's going to play. It was the same thing last week. Henry, Henry is all good. Yeah, he's limited with the foot, but I think that's just more load management, just the surgery popping up a little bit. Yeah, he said in the presser today, he said his foot is fine. He'll be out there on Sunday, you know, doing what he does. Yeah, Weaver is back, which is going to be huge. He's been full full participant all week. Nate Davis is looking good. Tierra Tart, who I believe left the game early last week, he's looking good. But the big one is, of course, Ryan Tannehill. He was limited yesterday, recording this Thursday night. He did not practice today. And that could just be managing the ankle. It's so tender that you don't want to put any pressure on it. Just have him be ready to survive this game. But maybe it's just precautionary. But to go from a limited to a DMP, and from what he was talking about, just how he was feeling, it does does worry me because even if he plays he will be a massive upgrade over willis just because we will be able to execute the passing game but we've seen his mobility and his toughness have masked how bad the offensive line is and it's already been really really bad in the results if he's gimpy if he can't scramble like that the one pass he threw when he came back in where he had to hobble to the side and throw it to hooper if he's closer to that than the guy we're used to see scrambling and running for his life it's going to be really hard to do anything on offense because yes it's better to have that his passing game than willis's but if he's forced to be a statue in the pocket one that's not his game two we don't have a pocket for him to stand in three we don't have anyone for him to throw to it's going to get really ugly this weekend of course we have a primetime game so we'll get to watch red zone all sunday afternoon and we'll just we're gonna get that fun like you guys are watching um uh philly in in houston and i i'm watching the world series but you know there are other sports so don't tell that to everybody in this podcast but what are you looking forward to most we'll start with you big fella what are you looking forward to most in this nfl weekend outside of kansas city well i'm looking forward to the phillies bringing home that world Series championship. We'll see if that happens. In the National Football League, however, there are quite a few interesting, and when I say interesting, I mean fart interesting games. You've got the Packers coming off a bajillion game losing streak against the Detroit Lions, and is this the game that Aaron Rodgers finally gets on on track? I mean, the worst pass defense in the league? It could be that. And so that'll be interesting to me. The other one that I think is going to be interesting, I'll pick two. The Lions game could also be kind of the death knell of this Packers team on the season because, I mean, Detroit's been played by injuries and their offense is good, but the defense is so bad. You can't, if you can't win this game, you're three and six, you lost to Detroit. And people have already turned on Aaron Rodgers for a multitude of reasons. They're starting to turn on Matt LaFleur. This could get sure. really ugly if they lose because the NFC still sucks, so they would have a chance to make the playoffs, but just the vibe with that whole team is so bad and if you lose to the lions who the packers have owned and are expected to own if you lose that game it's embarrassing and it's really worrying assuming that minnesota my other game i was going to call was minnesota at the washington commanders assuming minnesota wins that game they move to seven and one green bay you don't really have a shot at the division if you lose to detroit you're kind of out of it yeah the wild the wild card with that extra slot is still wide open because the nfc is a joke like i think the six and seven seeds are either 500 or have a losing record because i think it'd be what atlanta right now 
well, no, no Atlanta would be a division yeah. winner. Yeah, whoever it is, I think they're four and four, so it's salvageable. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers just the back-to-back MVPs going from that and a, such great offense to having to scrap and claw to get to five hundred and sneak into the wild card, which probably means you either play the Vikings, who already owns you this year, or on this very slight chance that Philly doesn't get the one seed, you might get Philly or you get Atlanta or Seattle, who have all looked much much better. If that's the hope of your season is to make the playoffs and maybe win a game if you get lucky that's a really heavy fall from grace and that just makes their playoff jokes to the couple years before this that much worse because i mean we talk about last year and how that was our year the past three years have been the packers year they had three straight 13 win seasons no team has ever done that and what did they do they let raheem mostert destroyed them in the NFC Championship game. They let Jimmy Garoppolo win throwing for 70 yards. They choked at home in the NFC Championship game despite Brady throwing three picks. And then last year, they choked at home again with a ton of special teams blunders and Aaron Rodgers and the MVP going ice cold. If there is a window where you say, you look back on say, man, we should have won one of those years. It's that for the Packers because every year it's not, they got outplayed. It's, or other than 2019 against the Niners, you could say. Other than that, it's, they choked. And both times, they choked at home. Yeah, how much you think Devontae Adams is wishing he was back in Green Bay? Man. Somehow that it's turned out, that trade has turned out to be lose-lose because the Packers' offense is awful. I'm trying to remember who they, they used the pick on. I, oh, they used it on Quay Walker, who's been good. But then that let them use their other pick on Devontae White, who doesn't play. And then the Raiders are just a dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah I mean, bad. when you talk about surprising teams of the year both ways, I think the Raiders are up there. Nobody, I didn't expect them to be 6-2 and two or anything, but woof. Yeah, Ugh, they're and they terrible. Get shut out last week. And honestly, I think they'll get they'll get their butts whipped by Jacksonville, which <laughs> that says a lot right there. I mean, we saw Saints did it last week. Vegas, they look like a team that if you have a, a pass catching running back, you might be able to score fifty on them. And I think that's what Jacksonville is going to do with Etn. Yeah, I also have two games this week. One of them we talked about this past week, and we were lucky enough the three of us to watch the Times game together. Currently, Big Phil, you mentioned this. The Falcons are leading their division. Who is the quarterback of that team oh you don't need to remind anybody because we know it's my favorite boyfriend marcus mariota i miss him so much it's the year 2022 and right now marcus mariota and arthur smith are in the driver's seat to host a playoff game ask me if i'm surprised landon because i'm not yeah depending on how the schedule lines up i half want to joke depending on how that ticket goes just for the fun of it and just because we're all such huge mariota fans if they host a playoff game and it works out to where our game is like it's like if they're the monday night game and we're a sunday a saturday game we could can, we could we could possibly go to both support I'm our times and support mariota i'll wear my mariota jersey it'll be you know i'll wear i'll wear my mariota jersey nathan i got one for you buddy it, it's yeah it's a big one it's a two absolutely no I, i'm re- yeah I'll so they, so atlanta hosts the Chargers. J.C. Jackson is out for the year. Joey Bosa is still out. This is a team, the Chargers aren't a good run defense at all. The Falcons are quietly like a really, really good running team for using Mariota and a hodgepodge of running backs. I mean, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams is already ruled out. Keenan Allen's hamstring apparently got worse over the bye week. I mean, this is, I'm, I think the line is still in the Chargers' favor because it's the Chargers. It's Justin Herbert. Ooh, we still got to defend our offseason takes where we were salivating over how good they are. Atlanta 
Atlanta's the better team. Atlanta, I think, should be favored to win this game, if only because they're at home and with all the Chargers injuries. They win this game, they're five and four. No one else in the division can have can be better than four and five, which is the Bucks. And the Bucks played the Rams, which isn't an easy matchup. And the Falcons, I think they get Cordero Patterson back this weekend, right? Yeah, he was designated to return. And the thing about the Falcons is their record has an asterisk. They deserve a chance to beat Brady a couple weeks ago. But Jerome Boger, who everyone knows why they know who he is, <laughs> blatantly rigged the game for Tom Brady because Tom Brady hurt his hip a little when he fell. Oh, that DPI, the, the, the roughing, roughing the, the passer call? The roughing the passer where poor Tom Brady hit the ground too hard. He got dirt on his pants. Well, the Falcons, you know, I'm not trying to rain on their parade, but they also have an asterisk because they lost last week's game strictly because of DJ Moore um, and his celebration penalty, which I think is a dumb penalty anyway. Yeah. But then I saw some people them... saying like since he had taken it off out after he was outside the end zone or whatever, technically it shouldn't have counted, which I don't know, but I think that's different because they didn't, that's not an outside force doing something to them. That's the other team doing something to themselves. Like, if, yeah, I guess. If they had but... gotten a bad call going their way, it would be different. But the Falcons could easily be 5-3 and three going to this game. They could be 6-3 and three after this week, and we look at them a lot differently. In the NFC, we talked about the wildcard teams all being blah. It's wide open. The Falcons, they're a team being held together by a bunch of, by a bunch of glue and tape. Arthur Smith probably isn't going to get much consideration for Coach of the Year. Several teams are shooting past their expectations, and the Falcons aren't a sexy team. But their roster is a complete joke, and they... They have a good chance of finishing over 500, hosting a playoff game, maybe even winning a playoff game. And he's doing it with the most run heavy offense since like the 2009 Jets. And he's doing it with a quarterback that no one wanted. So I wanted him. Yeah. Earlier this year, I talked about how the Lions were my NFC team. And I guess I should I should have expected, as all Lions fans know, the only thing you'll receive is disappointment from that franchise. <laughs> so Atlanta is also becoming my NFC team, except this time they have something to look forward to. <laughs> oh, poor lions and poor lions fans and john I, are you and mariota still just friends um i don't know i, I could maybe, be more maybe it'd be better to ask him because i yeah yeah you should ask him we've talked about ut a lot do we want to talk about them in georgia i don't have a lot on it i just it's gonna be a huge game i don't really follow college football that much to know like the in-depth matchup stuff it's just like it's a big game it's gonna be super stressful and also super exciting and i'm just ready for saturday to get here this week has gone by so fast i'm glad it's gone by so fast like it's yeah because there's gonna be some fun football this weekend we're gonna blink it's gonna be christmas i'm telling you yeah yeah Big fella, what do you think of that game? I think I, I told you guys last week that Chanel and I had a conversation, and I'm officially coming out, c- coming on as a bandwagon UT fan. Because coming out really orange, have... yeah. I, I, yeah, I personally am loving this decision. I support well, your lifestyle. I told Chanel like I really just. You know, when, the more I think about it, I really, truly love the Gatlinburg area. And to me, that is close enough to Knoxville. You know, everything there is UT Orange. And, you know, UT has been decent since I've been in Tennessee. And, you know, I feel like if I openly admit that I'm a bandwagon fan when they're hot, I don't get criticized. And they're a fun team to watch. I mean, like we talked about, that Bama game was everything I wanted to see in a college football game. And it was got, amazing. And they've got some of the best fans because they packed Nayland. They 
they get it super loud. And I do think when like 2019 LSU, when you're a team that doesn't have these sky high expectations and then you become that team, everyone gets into it. The whole There's just this energy to the team that's hard to... Like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, they don't have the energy that UT does because it's expected of them. Like, yeah, yeah well, we're supposed I mean, to be great. We're the, we're the evil empire. With Tennessee and 2019 LSU, it's like, man, this is really fun. We're really good. Well, I mean, and look at I the... Think, and like the fans that aren't expecting this and only get this every so often... I think it's an excellent point. They can really like they can really appreciate the moment, and then and that means they're just more into like that Tennessee Alabama game. I'm sure it hurt Alabama to lose that game. They played in so many more big games than that, just stakes wise. For Tennessee, oh, absolutely nothing compares to that game probably since I've been alive. That was the game that that was is literally true. The last yeah. time they played a game with national championship implications was 2001. Yeah, so I think it's just yeah Tennessee. It's it's really fun, and I mean if they win this game, we talked about on Sunday, they win this game unless they just lose two regular season games to nobodies they're locked into the playoffs i feel like because you beat georgia and you beat alabama oh there's nothing left yeah. to do and i mean look at the coaching carousel they've been through like with uh kiffin and then butch jones and that how that all turned out and hypo comes in and nathan i know you said you want it you you think he's on a bunch of short lists shortlists for an NFL coaching job, but I, if I were him, I'd stay. I mean, tear it up. Yeah, I think it does help with Tennessee that Nathan, I don't really follow the recruiting, so I don't know what the recruiting class is like. But I do. Yeah, I it's like top like 15, and I think like, it's going to ascend. When you have a great season like this, typically you benefit the following season, but their, um, their recruiting class is highlighted by, you know, a top three or four quarterback, a really, really high-end five-star California kid that they got, uh, that committed before this amazing run. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a good recruiting cast looking better. I think they just had a five-star wide receiver commit the other day. Yeah, and this current roster, it doesn't feel like it's super stacked, right? I remember like Jalen Hyatt, I've seen so many stories about how South Carolina didn't come recruit him or like he was like a mid-level four-star and then Herndon Hooker couldn't cut it at Virginia Tech and now he's awesome. So yeah, I'm super excited for Saturday. Nervous, but at the same time, it kind of feels like Tennessee is playing with house money. Obviously, Well, Tennessee fans know that they could lose that game closely and not have to play Alabama in the SEC championship game and make it as the fourth team. And I think Georgia fans think the same thing. And I think it's going to be fun because I think both teams are just going to let loose. So because there's a four-team playoff now, I think this is not make or break for either one of these teams. And I think, as you said, it's so fun for Tennessee fans because it has been a while that they've been relevant this late. And there was even a chance that going to Athens was going to be anything but just a beatdown. It's just a really fun time in college football, anyways, and it's really fun that it's relevant, you know, right here with with, with our fan base. And of course, John is a big longtime UT fan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at the weather right now, and there's like a 50 percent chance of it raining in Athens. Which, as you guys know, I love football being played in the elements. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. that will be one big element down there. I guarantee you, that will be a fun one. You don't love involved. watching in the elements, but <laughs> no, on TV, oh, everybody oh, else sitting out I there crazy. I love watching in the elements unless it's a bum team like the Texans. <laughs> True. Fair enough. <laughs> like the, the Dolphins game last year was awesome. The Saints game in 2019, even though Boger f***ed us over. I the San Francisco game <laughs> yet yeah, too. That, that yeah. Saints game was a blast. It's also great. the coldest game I've ever been to. Yeah. Like if it's a good team and it's a fun game, I don't really care about the weather. But if it's a bad team or we're just getting killed, it sucks. Well, when uh, Landon's dropping F-bombs, that means it's uh, time for us to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jerome Boger has that effect on me, as he does, <laughs> I would say, most NFL fans. Oh, Landon, I love you, buddy. Never change. Never change one bit. That's Tennessee Titans talk for tonight. I hope you guys have a great football weekend. We think we've got you ready for the Chiefs. Uh, we hope our team is ready for the Chiefs, but you never know what can happen. We talked about that. We're going to have fun. This team is uh, is 5-2, and two, and uh, this is a bit of a house money game. We just hope everybody, both sides, stays healthy and good competitive game because I think this game is about our ceiling. I think we feel like, you know, we feel pretty good about where we are uh, in making the playoffs, winning this division, but let's see. Let's, I know we did in week two. We played an elite NFL team. Let's do it again and kind of see where we are. For Big Fella, I'm Nathan and Landon. We'll see you guys next week. Tighten up. Tighten up.